Galatians, the sixth chapter, going back to that, almost finished with that book, teaching through the whole book of Galatians. Starting at the sixth verse. I'm going to use a slightly simpler translation this morning because I don't want to have to define too many terms. But Galatians, the sixth chapter, and Keisha, I'm sorry if I didn't get the scriptures to you, but I know you can follow along with me. It's the Living Translation. New Living Translation. Galatians 6 and 6. I had a New Living Translation. The Word of God reads, Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And it says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. We know that scripture, a lot of people have quoted the scripture, don't, don't be uh, weary in well-doing, right? All right. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, if we faint not. Amen? Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. I want to speak to you today from a slightly different topic that I normally don't touch on a lot. Because um, I'm just not one of those guys that decides to preach on money all the time. I just don't do that. But I must speak to you from the subject of creating everlasting wealth. Creating everlasting wealth. Let me say something to you today. Money is funny, y'all. Money is funny. Today, the dollar and its value and its worth could be worth this much, and then tomorrow could be worth this much. It could be big and small. You could be a billionaire today and tomorrow be completely and totally broke. Because money is funny. As long as your money is on this planet, it is not protected from one thing, and that is change. Things can change. The only way to prevent this is to exchange your resources for a different currency. Amen? A currency that has value that is, quite honestly, out of this world. Kept in a totally different place. Safe from change and destruction. I'm talking about having a kingdom 401k. <laughs> Amen. Where there is an interest rate that is so amazingly good that you can live on it forever. And ever. And ever. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, chapter 19th verse. Still same translation. We're going to stay there today, Keisha. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus said something rather interesting. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. 
Store your treasures in heaven. Sound familiar? Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Then he said something that kind of wants us, causes us to look at our hearts. He says, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. They will also be. Amen? And we left off in Galatians the last time I was preaching here in this sixth chapter, talking about bearing one another's burdens, but specifically the burdens in the fight against sin. That's the first half of it, where the body of Christ is admonished if a brother falls in sin, we who are what? Spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness, good, you remember, amen? And that pretty much says that in this fight against sin, we as believers are not to be fighting alone, amen? We are the body of Christ. Now Paul, the apostle Paul moves to instruct us that there is a very practical way to bear burdens, everyday things that we can do to lift the burdens of others. But it's always with God's purposes in mind. Amen? Which leads to, watch this, a very specific currency. A very specific currency that can never, ever fade away or ever lose its value. Talking about everlasting wealth. Amen? Amen. So I need to say this to you. Before I teach this first scripture in Galatians 6 and 6, go back to that same translation. I need to say that TLC as a church has been very, very good to me, very, very good to my family. No matter what size we are, our church has been great to me and my family. I need to say that to you. You are a church that um, loves to give, loves to support. You support the pastor and his family very well. We are taken care of. Thank you so much. I have nothing to complain about in that area when it comes to this church. I've never have. Uh, um, I've not had to teach anything on giving extensively um, because you guys give in many ways. And for this, your pastor wants to say thank you. Amen. I need to say that before I teach this first verse because I, I want to give it in context as far as the people that I'm teaching. Amen? For you, those of you who are online um, who may not have a pastor or may not be giving to the pastor or helping the pastor in this way, that may more so apply to you. But as far as my church is concerned, my church, TLC, I want to say thank you. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you, Brother David. Brother David said, you're welcome. All right, so Galatians 6 and 6, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing in all good things with them. Those who are taught the word, the word, the story of God's grace, the story of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, amen. The instruction concerning the one and only true God and his will for mankind, the mission and the message of Jesus, amen. The meaning of his death, the power of his resurrection, the expectation of his second coming, the need in spite of our salvation to continually repent, amen. Those of us who are taught, that if you confess with your mouth uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
thou shalt be saved. Those of us who are taught that in spite of that confession, that we are to confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Those of us who are taught these things, and also those of us who are seeing their pastors demonstrate what it looks like to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. Amen? Those people, those teachers, when you have someone like that in your midst and you're benefiting from that, it, the Word of God says that the people are to provide for their teachers, should provide for their teachers. How? They, by, they provide by sharing all good things with them. Amen? The KJV uses a very complicated word, but it means the same thing. It, it says we should commit or communicate, rather, unto those who are, are, are the teachers. Amen? And that word means to share, to distribute goods to the teacher. And most people... We understand this because in everyday life, you know, if you want your health fixed, you go pay for it, right? When your body breaks down, you go pay somebody to help fix it. When your car breaks down, you go to the mechanic and, you know, they pay so your ride doesn't break down. But some people don't feel that it's necessary to give to the preacher or the teacher of the Word of God when their lives break down or when their thinking falls out of line with the one that actually created them. I find it interesting that uh, people understand that we need to regularly go to the dentist before all your teeth fall out of your mouth. And if you want your teeth to stay in your life with you, then it's a good thing for you to go to the dentist on a regular routine. Well, regular preaching is good for your life. It's good maintenance. It's God's maintenance system for optimal living in a way that pleases the Spirit. Amen? If you want to live a life that's pleasing to God, go to church, hear the Word on a regular basis, and the Word of God says here, give to the preacher or the teacher, just like you would give to your dentist to keep your teeth in your life. All right. Now, receiving this distribution of all good things, is not something that the teacher should ever abuse. Amen. I've got an amen on that. Nothing on the first part. Okay. <laughs> Just because we preach about God doesn't mean that the preacher gets to live like he's a God or be treated like he's a God. Amen. And when the pastor starts talking about money on every single Sunday, if something's wrong, when you got 35 pastor appreciation services in one year, I mean, we appreciated you last time, bro. <laughs> What's going on? When the pastor starts to say, in order for me to do the will of God, I need a jet plane, run! You're not being shepherded by a pastor or a shepherd. You're being shepherded by a wolf. Very different, one who preys on the sheep. Amen? Amen. However, I will have to say in my personal experience that <laughs> it's seemingly all kinds of craziness was let loose in my life the moment I decided to receive the call and start teaching the Word of God to teenagers. I mean everything in my life changed from that moment on. I encountered a certain amount of trouble that was like, where is this coming from? 
I started teaching the Word of God to the kids at my dad's church, pulled them into the multi-purpose room. Class started growing. Kids started coming, started bringing their friends. Got bigger and bigger, and so did my trouble. That year, when I started, I had never experienced so much pain in my life ever. In, in life. I could not believe it. Seemed like everything was going south. It seemed like there was an attack every single week. And can I be honest with you? It really hasn't changed. So the church that helps their pastor, not just in terms of salary, but also in terms of good things and support, you know, to help them with their life and their their wife and their children, they ease the burdens, amen, of the pastor or the teacher that's teaching the word of God, amen? Amen. You have no idea what it takes to get up here on Sunday Sunday after Sunday basis and teach the Word of God. There's several things that come in that, you know, try to distract you, temptations we deal with, attacks in the body, sickness. There are times when I come to church, before I even get to the pulpit, I get attacked. And sometimes by, can I be honest with you? Some of you. (laughs) It's true. Amen? So the truth is, is when you give and you help in whatever kind of way that God has placed on your heart for the minister, you're easing burdens because you don't know what they're going through. Because the enemy does not want whatever God is telling the preacher to say. He doesn't want it heard. That's just the bottom line. So he's not going to just sit back and kick back and allow the word to go forth. That's not what the enemy does. The enemy has these imps and, and, and pimps and whatever you want to call them <laughs> that try to come in and destroy what is being said. Amen? Amen. Uh, here's the thing. So you help out by giving and sharing on whatever is good. It says, the word of God says, um, share in all sharing all good things with them, with the teachers. Amen? Every year about around the holiday time, uh, Edna Duncan, if I could use her as an example, she shows up with a huge box of apple cider, Martinelli's. And she, you know, around the holiday time, around Christmas and Thanksgiving, she opens up and come on to the back, you know, like some drug dealer or something like that. She opens up <laughs> the trunk and she's got this huge case, huge cases <laughs> of, of Martinelli's apple cider in her trunk. And she doesn't really know how much that blesses my life. It reminds me of holiday times when I was younger, not too long ago, but, but holiday dinners with my dad and my family, and who he's not here anymore. And my whole family dynamic has shifted. A lot of times it's just me, my wife, and my kids during the holidays. We don't have the aunties and cousins and stuff like that we used to have before. It's just not the same. So when Edna comes in with that Martinelli, it takes me back. And it blesses my heart. She has no idea that it does that for me. Because everything in my life has really shifted since my dad has been gone. So when she does that, it's like, wow. Now, she didn't give me a check. She gave me apple cider. The Lord, and she does it every single year. And I look forward to it. You know, I'll be looking around. Any need a minute now. She's going to open up that trunk. Edna does her part, what I'm saying, in that little way. Uh, Look, here she comes. Talking about you, Edna. She does her part by giving me Martinelli's apple cider every year, and it blesses my heart. Amen? 
Amen. 1 Corinthians 9, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 9, 13, and 14. The Word of God says, Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Amen? Amen. Now, remember, Jesus said something here in Matthew. We just read it. Uh, Don't turn to it. Just trust me. It's there. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also, right? All right. Now Jesus is getting into the heart attitude of our giving, the motive behind our giving. And the motive exposes whether or not your desires are really in line with the desires of Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you really in Are you giving for the same purposes? Are you spending your time and your resources in a way that he wants you to? If Jesus had your life, what would he do with it? Mm. So, back to Galatians 6 and 7. The word of God reads, here we go, don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. Amen? You will always harvest what you plant, or you will always reap what you sow. Amen? He's saying here, Paul's saying here, don't be tricked or veer from this vital truth. Don't think you can get over on God. God is no fool. Amen? God cannot be tricked. He's all-knowing. Robert Louis Stevenson said it this way, sooner or later in life, we will all sit down at a banquet of consequences. Wow. God cannot be mocked. You cannot mock the justice of God. You may think that you're escaping God's judgment on what you have done or what you have decided not to do. But it's really self-deception. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Don't start to continue to think uh, that you are able to get around what God can see. He's everywhere. You're deceiving yourselves. Don't wonder from this truth. What is the truth, Pastor Hawkins? The truth is that you will always harvest what you plant. Actions will always have consequences. There is a cause and effect law that you can choose to ignore if you want to, but you cannot really escape. You really do reap what you sow. Amen. So if you plant corn, you will get corn. Don't expect anything else. Amen. The word here, plant, means to sow. The word sow here means to spread, to utilize. It actually means to invest. Hmm. Okay? It actually means to invest. Help me, Holy Spirit. You cannot mock God. There is the truth that believers receive blessings from God. We receive things from God. We get up every day. We have our health. We have our, you know, money's in our bank. We're in our right mind. My toes are working today. I can turn on my car. I can go places and do certain things. You know, I kind of have blessings from God. God has been faithful to me, and there are certain things that that just happen that sometimes I even take for granted. 
I say things like, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to expect to meet you down, you know, at the bar station. We're going to go such and such and we're going to do certain things. And we just, you know, we just get up and do it. And the truth is, is that even though God blesses us with all these things that we have grown accustomed to, he has not changed his law when it comes to sowing and reaping. Just like you can expect to go to the bank and put in wooden nickels in your account, you just can't go and give God anything and expect him to accept anything. Amen? So in other words, what I'm saying is, is that there's a law of sowing and reaping, and you have to sow certain kinds of things. You can't show up to the bank with monopoly money and expect to put in two grand. They will look at you and say, sir, we don't accept that kind of currency. God will not be mocked. There will be things that he has expected all believers to do. He's given us something. He expects a return. Ah. Amen? He expects a return. And it cannot just be anything that you just give God. That's not, he's not going to work. That's not how it works. Amen? Verse 8. Those who live to satisfy, only live to satisfy their own sinful nature, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest woo, everlasting life from the Spirit. Amen? So here's the thing, saints. We're talking about creating everlasting wealth here. Jesus taught that there's, a, there's an importance of investing your time and utilizing your time and your resources in a wise way for the kingdom. Jesus called it heavenly treasures or storing up treasures in heaven. And here we see here in verse 8 that it's called living to please the Spirit. So living to please the Spirit is the same thing as storing up treasures in heaven. How so? Well, what are you doing with your resources? What are you doing with what God has given you? Amen? Are you sowing to your sinful nature? Where you get everything you want to get? It's all about you and it's all about what your flesh desires and you use all your time and energy for those things? Or are you sowing to the Spirit? Are you sowing, living for pleasing the Spirit? Huh? Putting treasures down here on earth that will fade away or putting treasures in heaven where a robber can't get to it, rust cannot cause it to depreciate, moth cannot eat it. So, strong or store, rather storing treasures in heaven includes this. Tithing, offerings, giving to the purposes of God. It also includes bringing others to Christ. Amen? See how that kind of goes together? Oh, we give money to the church. We give our time and we serve at the church. Church is doing okay and others are coming to Christ, but I also get out there and try to win somebody to Christ. Are you seeing how this works? All acts of obedience to God. You know, I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to live a life that represents God. I'm going to look like a Christian, not just profession that I'm a Christian. That's called storing up what? Treasures in heaven. Do you get that? Amen. When I am obedient with my checkbook, when I'm obedient with my schedule, when I'm obedient with my energy, my resources, when God says, go on over there and talk to so-and-so, and you actually do it. 
Huh? Go, sister, so-and-so needs a little cash. Go, go, go give us a little something. She's a little short. See what I'm saying? All acts of obedience are laid up in heaven, and they are not susceptible to decay or destruction or theft. Amen? Nothing can affect or change or devalue, rather, what you do for God. They used to say, only what you do for Christ will last. Are you seeing that? What you do for Bank of America and Charles Schwab? Mm -mm. What you do for mortgage? Mm -mm. What you do for college tuition? Mm -mm. Not going to last. Only, it's a very, very specific category here. Only what you do for Christ will have everlasting value, bring everlasting wealth. Are you hearing me? So, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your focus lies, whatever occupies your thoughts and your time, huh? that is your treasure. So every time we use our resources to grow spiritually or to support somebody else growing spiritually or to support the work of the Lord, huh? every time we do that, then we are living to please the Spirit. We are living to please, to please God. We are storing up treasures in heaven. The, what, what I'm trying to say to you people is the only real currency that really matters in God's economy in heaven is souls. Whoa! What did you do to bring in a soul? What did you do? Why did you give? What was your motive behind that? Where's your real treasure? Ah. Amen. So money is not something you can take with you. We all know that. What you're doing right now for God, that's storing up heavenly treasures. Amen. Some people will be surprised by how much they actually have in their 401k in heaven. Some people will be like, wow, I didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> well, all I was just doing, I was just being a Christian. <laughs> right. Other folks, you know, we was at the concert. We shouted. Choir sang. We won a Grammy for our album. Bankrupt. Just never know. It only depends on what you did for Christ. Only what you did for Christ. Does it mean that those things cannot be used? cannot have value, but it depends on whether or not somebody got saved, somebody was brought into the kingdom. The currency that matters in heaven is souls. You can't show up there with no checkbook, no monopoly money, no wood chips. Don't work. (laughs) All right, let's move on. When we live for ourselves, we reap death and destruction and corruption. But when we live for the Spirit, everything we do for God goes into our spiritual bank account, and we are creating everlasting wealth. Verse 9, almost done. Two verses, we're done. Galatians 6 and 9. There we go. Good. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. This is encouragement. Don't be weary in well-doing, saints. Amen? This is encouragement for us. We want to work for God and get 
the reward that he has for us in heaven, which is already being calculated. Amen? So here's the thing. Don't get tired and, you know, decide not to do anything. If you don't do anything for God, don't expect to have anything in your heavenly 401k. Okay? While it is true that God has taken care of us, it does not negate the fact that he has rewards and consequences for those who have decided to do what he said and for those who have decided not to take what he said seriously. Amen? So let's not get tired of doing, of, of doing good, what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, if we faint not. Now, this reaping that we get is not only just in eternal life or heaven. Some of this reaping we're going to get right here. Amen? Amen. If you sow to corruption and your sinful flesh, you know, and all hell is breaking out in your life, and, you know, you're just like, what is going on? Well, maybe because you have your, your, your mind set on the things that are not eternal. Amen? Maybe you're just, you're just letting your flesh lead all your decisions. Amen? I want this, I want that, I want to do this, I want to do that. This is going to be pleasing to me. That's very different than this is going to be pleasing to the Father. Amen? Pleasing to me means you might have some temporary gratification that's instant. Amen? Pleasing to the Father, it may take some time. At just the right time, you'll reap. Not just talking about heaven, I'm talking about right here too. Amen? When you sow to the Spirit, you know, you may, you know, because you've invested in your children, you may see your children get saved. Wow. Because you invested in your nieces and your nephews and your grandchildren, you may see them get saved. Don't think it's all up to the children church worker. Don't think it's all up to the Sunday school teacher. No, 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 no. No, no. They're not the only ones who are gonna get some some some, some spiritual currency out of this. You get it. Amen? It's not only the Sunday school teacher that gets it. You know, no, you pick them up. You share the gospel with them. You teach them things. You get them a Bible. You, you go out there and, and, and buy them a commentary. You explain. You, you take them through the scriptures. You walk them through the scriptures. Amen? And every time that that happens, God is pleased. Amen? God is pleased. You train them up. One day there will be a harvest, a blessing, if you don't give up. Amen? Amen. So the future blessing is, yeah, I'm going to heaven. The present day blessing could be souls that are transformed, that you get to watch bloom into what Jesus Christ has called them to be. And you sit there and go, wow, God, you made me a part of that. They transformed. and You use, you use me to do that? They gave their life to Christ. Wow. God, you caused me to be a part of that? All I was doing was mentoring. All I was doing was being like Jesus in front of him. Amen? Amen. Every time you encourage, encourage a, a saint, every time, that's wealth in your bank. Cha-ching. Every time you pick up an elder who can't drive to church. Cha-ching. Huh? Every time you teach somebody a Bible verse, cha-ching. Every time you are a person that is guiding someone through and helping them through a situation in a, in a, in a way that, that pleases God, walking with them, bringing them into spiritual maturity, taking them by the hand, 
That harvest may not happen the day you start. But at just the right time, God could use all of your efforts to bring them to a place where they transform and they change and they give their life to Christ. And isn't that what Jesus was about? Mm. All right. Don't be weary in well-doing. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. One of the things that kind of gets in the way is distractions. Amen? Give me Luke 9, 1 through 3. Just teaching a simple message this morning. Luke 9, 1 through 3. Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them the power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take none, he says, take nothing for your journey. He instructed them, don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Interesting. Jesus is telling his disciples, which means a follower of Jesus, someone who's going to do what they see Jesus doing, following his example. He's telling his disciples, uh, you know, basically, he's saying to them, out of my example, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do what you're actually called here to do. This is the reason why the disciples are still here. Amen? This is the reason why the disciples are still on the planet. He didn't just send them to heaven. He put them to work. Amen? He gives them power to bring the kingdom of God wherever they go. Tell the people how to get saved. Preach the kingdom. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Whatever. Do what I would do. He gives them that power. But then he says, if you're going to be effective, you can't bring a bunch of stuff with you. Don't take everything that you think you want to take. Don't have your mind on all this other stuff. Don't take a walking stick. Don't take an extra pair of clothes. Don't yell John 3.16 at somebody while you're carrying five Gucci bags. Your mind on your money and your money on your mind and your mortgage. And your... Are you following what I'm saying? That stuff weighs you down. It causes you to be tired to the point to where you actually may have a pure mode, a pure intention for working for God, but your methods are wrong. Your methods are not pure. Why? Because you got too much stuff attached to you. One of the things that people don't do a lot, especially after this prosperity gospel thing that we've been through, <laughs> is people don't talk about the blessing of having a simple life. People don't teach that anymore. It's all about how I can make my new brand and come up and be somebody that everybody's going to recognize. Give me my Grammy. You know, give me, my, give me my, my just due. I work hard for this. I need my divine relationship to lead me to more and more and more so I can get more and more, so I can have more and more, so I can impress you. Why? Oh, you got that kind of TV? I need to have that TV. How much that cost? Where you get that car? Well, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give me one. Because you ain't going to be the only one in the block driving that. You know, but we got all these things, and the concern for all these things causes us to lose concern for what Jesus wants us to be thinking about. So our concern for stuff competes with what we're really supposed to be here doing. So how do you get weary and well-doing? Have too much attached to you. 
I can't, you know, I would, I would, I would have more of my spiritual 401k if I didn't have so much already in the bank I'm trying to get some more. <laughs> I would have more if I wasn't so busy trying to get more Gucci. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Huh? I would do, you know, you know I, I would serve you, Lord, and, and, and I would really, really be about my father's business. But, you know, my kids got to go to college, and we got to put them through all these incredible schools. And, you know, they're not, they're not going to do well if we don't take them to Yale. Are you following what I'm saying? Jesus said, don't take that stuff with you. You're not going to be as effective. It'll wear you out. Why? Because you got a split mind, a split focus. Your motives and your purposes are not pure. To purify that, you got to let go of one. You, you, you can't, you, you can't, it can't be about mammon. It's got to be about Christ. Okay? And so if you want something that's going to have everlasting currency, everlasting value, everlasting profit, then you got to look at why you even do what you do. Huh? You got to look at your schedule. Are you managing stuff? Are you working for the kingdom? The parable of the, of the talents, the parable of the, two, the, two mina, the, the ten minas, that's what it's called. Huh? Jesus says, thou wicked and slothful servant. Huh? I gave you something and you buried it? See, here's the thing. You don't take what God gave you, bury it, and then give it back to God and have him be pleased. <laughs> God is looking for an investment return. He's looking. No, no, no. Wait, wait. No, no. You should be happy, God. I gave you back. Wait a minute. But no, 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 no. Now we got to account for all this time. What you been doing? I gave you resources. I gave you life. I gave you breath in your body. I gave you salvation. I gave you the message of faith that would save people. What have you been doing? Who you been working for? You've been working for yourself or you've been working for me? You sold to the spirit or did you sold to your sinful flesh? What have you been doing with all my time? The time you have is what I gave you. The money you have is what I gave you. You bought not one Bible? What do you mean? He said, no, no. Something's not right. I'm just going off grid here because I, I got my notes in my head. I'll be all right. No, that's not going to work. If you have my spirit in you, you would act like my son. My son didn't do that. My son did not come here with a bunch of stuff. My son came here and gave his life. My son came here and was not, the priority was not about him. The priority is about others. He wasn't looking out for self. He was looking out for you. Jesus accomplished everything with nothing, and he accomplished everything. Think about that. He came here with nothing, and yet he accomplished everything. He didn't have a place to lay his head, and yet he gave his whole life for you and me cause us to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. And now if we have his spirit, then what are we doing? So it's confusing if we say that we have the spirit of God and we have nothing in the spiritual account. Make sense? That doesn't add up. All right. 
And I went off grid, but okay. All right. Last verse. I'll just finish it with this one. Verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Underline that word, everyone. Everyone. Underline that word, everyone. And then it says, especially to the household of faith or to those in the family of faith. Okay? This does not mean doing good exclusively, especially to the body of Christ. No, no. This means doing good to everyone. Amen? The impact of the heart of Jesus Christ that the church carries cannot be felt in the areas where it is most needed if we keep all of our goodness to our small groups and our church members only. Especially to the household of faith, yes. But not only to the household of faith. Are you hearing me? If we show love and kindness to those who think just like us, vote just like us, believe just like us, act just like us, then how is Jesus' love and his goodness and his, his caring and sharing being felt in the world if we keep it all to ourselves? And now, I did not say that we compromise what we believe. It doesn't mean we start to repeat the sins that we see or we may come in contact. That's not what we're doing. But it shouldn't be that my neighbor, neighbor never comes in contact with the love of Jesus Christ simply because they don't believe in him already. Shouldn't be that my neighbor doesn't come into contact with, 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 with Jesus Christ and his love because they don't know Jesus already. No, 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 no. no. See, it's good for me to knock on your door and give you a track. But maybe I bring a pie. <laughs> you know, maybe I offer to do something for you. Maybe I show some goodness for you. Maybe I somehow find a way to lift the burden of my unsaved neighbor. So they can go, you know what? Maybe all the Christians are not the same. Maybe they're different. Maybe, that, maybe this one's different. I met one that doesn't act like the ones I thought, you know, the ones I had in my head or the ones I experienced before. You know? Do good. Share. Give. Put things in your spiritual bank account, your heavenly 401k. I'll never forget, and I'm done here. There was a man that came to me years ago, and he was struggling with something. He had a porn addiction. And I had to, for two to three years, walk him through that addiction. God had delivered me, and now it's my turn. And I had to decide not to be too busy. I had to decide two to three years to pick up the phone whenever he called to be that guy that would encourage him out of looking at stuff he shouldn't be looking at. I had to spend money, drive down to his house over and over. He came to me and said, I don't know how you got out of this. Well, God delivered me. So I'm going to tell you the same things that, you know, that I went through. And I'm going to share the word of God. And we're going to pray for you. And I'm going to be that example. That was spiritual currency, people. Do you understand that? There are people that have needs that are struggling with things. And in this church, there could be somebody who has, the, you know, they're walking in deliverance. They just need to see it's possible. You know, I never knew I can escape from this. When you take that time out and you're not too busy for that individual, doesn't that look like Jesus? Would not that bring you some spiritual change to ching? Right? Think about it. So whenever we have an opportunity, 
We want to do good, not only to those who are in the household of faith, but also those who are not. Amen? Here's another example. My wife will spare no expense to make sure that her children know the Word of God. I'll give her money, and I'll be like, listen, sweetie, go get a dress. She's buying Bibles. That's what she does. She, you know, she's just invested. You know, my baby's got to make it. But now, hold on. Now, that's good that you care about your baby. The other side of that is that God is going to bless you because you care about what he cares about. Huh? Her treasure and her heart is aligned with, with, with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. David Box is always telling me about people he's walking on the street and giving, you know, tracks to and trying to run down, you know, drug addicts and tell them about Jesus Christ. That's time. That's money. That's investment. That's resources. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a reward coming for that. Now, if we just sit here and try to get all the money here and go to heaven and end up broke. (laughs) And here's the catch. Is that really possible? Because see, in order to do what I'm talking about doing, the Holy Spirit has to be inside of you to change your desires and your schedule and what you think is important. That's why Jesus said in that parable, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Don't know you. You don't look like me. You're not doing what I would do if I were in you. So what we want to do is we want to be encouraged this morning, and I'm done, to do what God has called us to do, to be the men and women of God that he's called us to be, to build and create everlasting wealth and not this stuff that disappears here and fades away. It's really about making Christ and his purposes the highest priority of your life. The example is that Jesus Christ came to soul. Jesus Christ came to save souls. He gave up his life. He didn't live a life for himself or his needs. He made others a priority. And the word says, you know, that we must give our lives like Jesus did. The world says, get all you can while you can and keep it. That's not the message of God. It's exactly the opposite. God says the exact opposite. He says, what creates riches that will never fade away is when you give of your life, when you invest in souls, when you take those resources that God has given you and you give them a return on his investment. Give to help the burdens of others. This is how you create everlasting wealth. I'm done. 